Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys break down some news headlines for you in hopes of shedding some light on the information, all while enjoying Michter's Small Batch Original Sour Mash Whiskey. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks, sponsored by Living in Colorado at The Mile High Perspective on YouTube. Yes, sir. As you guys can see, again, Oscar's in the barrel this week. He's uh, He's got a lot going on, so... He's going to pop out one of these right? days. Yeah, one, one time we're just going to have a, like, a big celebration. It's like a fucking <laughs> Hispanic jack-in-the-box. <laughs> That's great. Um, but Oscar's got a lot going on yeah. right now, right? He's got oh, a lot yeah. going on, so... Yep. Luckily, me and Jameson can hold down the fort while he's while he's figuring stuff out. Um, but on today's episode, guys, we're gonna do kind of another another kind of free form. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that we haven't done before, but we always talk to you guys about how you know headlines scare people and and how they make such a difference in people's yep. decisions. So what we want to do today is kind of a news article episode. Yep. Uh, Jameson and I both went online and kind of picked out two separate news articles that we wanted to highlight for you and just basically break down a little bit further. Yeah, we want to we want to give you guys the headlines and then give you guys our interpretation and then uh, some facts and some opinions on, on what we think is going on so that it allows you guys to maybe, if you guys see the same headline, look at it in a little bit different light. Um, like Charlie said, everything right now is doom and gloom, mm-hmm. whether it's Ukraine dams breaking, California, or Col- Jesus, California, Colorado. Canada, Canadian wildfires, mm-hmm. uh, inflation, uh, the economic report came out hot hey, again. Hey, we don't have to hear about the debt ceiling anymore. But we don't, no, <laughs> not yet. But my point is, we got a lot of, we got a lot of shit out a there. Lot that's of just, shit. So we wanted to scour the internet, take a couple of, you know, yeah. baity headlines, mm-hmm. um, and talk through them with you guys and give you our opinion and hopefully, uh, I don't know, bring some sunshine into you guys. Yeah, life. exactly. So, exactly. We're all about positivity. Here. Exactly. Um, so Charlie... And- Explain to the people, what do we do here on this podcast? So you guys have never listened or heard or watched before. We are three Colorado real estate agents, and we just kind of break down the information for the consumer and bring it to you guys. We post our audio episodes every Friday, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much every platform that you can Mm -hmm. find a podcast. And then we also have our YouTube channel, like a shout out before, Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective. We put our videos out for the podcast every, between every Monday and Wednesday, so make sure you subscribe to that so you stay up to date, especially because a lot of the topics that we talk about are timely. Oh, yeah. We like to talk about uh, basically articles like we are today, but just provide you guys with the facts. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, email R-E-S-O-T-R at themilehighperspective.com. Throw it down here. And then phone number, if you guys want to call us, text us, 303 578 0263 uh, goes to all of our phones. So if you guys want to work with us, if you guys just want to chat about the real estate market, you have questions, shoot us a text, give us a call. Uh, and obviously guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to it while you're driving your car, we'd love, love, love if you guys uh, liked and subscribed and uh, gave us some comments, some feedback. Let us know what you guys want to hear. Cause mm-hmm. again, we want to stay relevant. This podcast is yeah for us. Cause we love to talk about this shit anyway. Yep. And we love whiskey. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're just putting microphones to our face and That's hopefully people listen. <laughs> But uh, for you guys, it's just to give you a different perspective. We're not here to recruit agents. We're not here to tell you you need to buy right now or you need to sell right now. We're here to give you as much relevant information as we possibly can Mm -hmm. so that you guys can take that information, synthesize it how you want, and then make the best decision for you moving forward. Because the other thing we know is most of the time, guys, what I say, 1% of people are ready to buy or sell, Mm -hmm. right? That's not what we're here for. We want to make sure that you guys are armed with information so when you do come to that decision, Mm -hmm. which... 
is going to be one of the biggest financial decisions you'll make. You are armed with as much knowledge as possible yeah. and you can go in there with confidence and it make it a great experience. And I mean, we were, t- we were talking about this before the podcast started, but something <sighs> for me that, that, and what Jameson said about the 1% ready to buy now is every time I'm at a get together, a social gathering, I'm, I'm at a party out to dinner with people. How's the market? It, that's the first thing you hear, right? <laughs> and, you know, it, it's it's so interesting to me how having this knowledge does open me up to talk to so many more people. Oh, yeah. And what was really cool for me and, and really kind of solidified that what we're doing here is is good and, and it's meaningful is that after I left that get-together last last weekend, we're all sitting down at a birthday party, having a good time, throwing axes, playing cornhole, all that kind of stuff. I had three people that walk up to me and are like, Charlie, thank you so much for sharing this information with me. I, I had no idea. Yeah. Right. And, and that's ultimately why we're in this business, because mm-hmm. both of us were in retail and we watched people spend money on stuff that honestly was going to depreciate the second it walks out the door. It is superfluous. Yeah. Right. And, and this is a way that we feel that we can add value to people's yeah. lives and, and help them with, like James said, one of the biggest yeah, decisions edu- you're ever going to make. It's the education piece, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm Charlie and I are both all about educating people and, um, you know, if that leads to you guys wanting to work with us even better, hopefully you kind of get a feel for mm-hmm. our personalities and what we're like, yeah. and you can make that decision for yourself. But at the end of the day, even if you're working with somebody else, talking to somebody else, not looking to do anything, mm-hmm. take this information and use it how you will. It, yeah. it is free. Yep. We don't ask for anything. We don't sell anything on here. It's, mm-hmm. it's free info for you guys to digest and, and do with what you please. Absolutely. And so. I mean, what's not free most of the time, it's bourbon, right? Luckily, we've had a couple bottles that have been gifted to us uh, that we've tried on the podcast, and we've done some that are, you know, we had a brown bag episode, and then we have We don't ones talk that about we, it. We don't talk about it. <laughs> we have ones that we've that not a lot of people know about, but yep. I think today's bourbon not only has a great history, but in 2019, they they won top, top whiskey, Whiskey right? of the year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they said uh, that this has a unique distilling, and what's really cool for you guys who have been tuning in and watching over the last couple of weeks, feels like we're on a small batch kick. Yeah, I think so. And what's really cool about that for me is, you know, we've talked about at this point now we've had 27 different bourbons throughout the show. But at what point are we alcoholics? You know, it, it is depends. there? A, it's a it's a fine line, right? It, because part we're doing part of it for research, research purposes. purposes. It's for science. Exactly. Science, baby. Yes. Wait, fucking what science, what bitch. <laughs> science, bitches. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I mean, Twenty One Jump day, Street, very underrated movie. <laughs> at the end of the day. It's, it's just so cool to have these comparisons and be yeah. able to call back because last three weeks have been small batch. And this one being a small batch sour mash, but also having a unique distilling process. Like Not to week, be confused with the monster mash. But <laughs> who knows? <laughs> we'll see. This might be a monster we'll, mash. We'll see. We'll see how it tastes. But I mean, last week, they, the thing that they touted with the, with the um, wild turkey long branch was that it was uh, filtered through with mesquite, right? Mesquite charcoal, yeah. Mesquite charcoal. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, this one also provides a it's not mesquite so they do a more standardized uh white oak barrel and then fire charred there you go so you'll get the smoke but mesquite's very different so if you guys have ever cooked on a traeger you can get like the different pellets and mesquite pellets are very very different um they have a sweet mad at me i i have some i have some wood chips back at the apartment for you that i'm supposed to bring and i forgot it for the third week in a row unbelievable (laughs) unreal this is ridiculous hey ADHD um, is a hell of a thing, man. But anyway, so what we're what we're tasting today is Charlie pours it out is uh, Michter's, and it's a US one sour mash. So a couple of unique things about this bottle specifically and Michter's in general. So Michter's actually harkens back to the very first American whiskey company. Um, it went through a couple different lineages, but the 
essentially that what you're drinking now, it traces its lineage back to the very first American. I'd love to see at this point, I feel like so many, we're talking like 1796. Well, I was going to say, I feel like so many of our bourbons that we've tried have gone back to original distillers. Well, you know, and it's funny if you think about it, right? Like, let's just, let's just, let's go back to the 1700s. What was happening? The American revolution, right? Yep. So you sit there and you fight this entire war and then your friends die, your family dies, there's plagues, the British are here. The British are coming. The British are retreating. <laughs> the French come in. Like all this, like, well, all this different all, shit's happening. You finally win the war. What's the first thing you would do? I'd sit back and figure out how to get drunk as fuck. <laughs> well, and it's funny as you were saying that. All I could picture was a soldier out out on the field just got shot. Hurt. Yeah, like fuck it's like, this. <laughs> here's a bottle. Here, yeah. chug half of this yeah. and bite on this leather strap, exactly. and, and, and we'll see what's gonna happen. Yeah. Right. And I mean, hey. Yeah, if I just won a war for my entire country's independence, (laughs) you're goddamn right. I'm going to start making some whiskey distilleries. But it'd be really cool. I'm going to see if I can find this. It'd be really cool to see like a family tree of bourbon. Yeah. Right. I'm sure somebody can do it. Somebody has to do it. Like a 23 and me, but. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Just to see. Because I mean, I think it's three or four bourbons that we've had on the podcast so far that it's like back to the original distiller from Jack Daniels or back to 17. Well, and we've seen it, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. like, it's been brand names that you recognize that have filtered into other branches of mm-hmm. of whiskeys. So yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's it and I mean just honestly if you guys haven't looked into the the bourbon whiskey industry as a whole and how it works. Yep. When we first started, you know, in this in this location, I remember talking to, to Cody the owner. Yep. About how the Copper Sky distilling process mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and he basically just broke it down and I was like, "Wait a second. That's not something I ever would have guessed." And where's the uh where's the I, I want to know where the barrel is with all the Buffalo Trace in it. Remember, uh, they had like the 26. I think it's still aging somewhere. I was going to say, because yeah. they had like 26 bottles of Buffalo yeah. Trace, right? Mm-hmm. Just combined it into yep. a barrel. Yeah. Why can't we do that at home? Uh, I know, right? Barrel, exactly. Right? Hey, you can buy one of these for like 600 bucks. Um, all right. So the other the other interesting piece of this, it is a, it's a sour mash. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are familiar with how sourdough bread is made, right? Sourdough bread is made where you, like a normal bread loaf, you just take yeast. Yep. And then yeast ferments, and then it turns into bread, right? Mm-hmm. Well, every loaf of bread uses new yeast. With sourdough, they use old, already fermented yeast. That's why it gives it that unique flavor that sour bread dough has as a starter for the new yeast, and then they bake it, and they make sourdough. Like a primer. Exactly. Okay. So sour mash is the huh. same thing. They use mash, any mash bill, right? Ooh. But it's already, it, it, in this mixture, or sorry, in this barrel, it's already been previously <laughs> fermented, and it's mixed with new mash, which gives it sour. I'm going to show my, my young millennial mind on this one. But the first, at, right as you started talking about that, and you're like, oh, it's a pr-, I said it's a primer. I had like a Jimmy Neutron brain blast. Oh, yes. Right? And that's so, that's so interesting because you gotta th- if you think about it, if they're using old yeast, mm-hmm. that means that the factors from the original mash are going to play into this. And the reason that's so interesting to me is we've heard different humidities, different moistures. Yep. All the temperatures play into it. Yep. And the cool thing is with yeast, certain bacteria has to has to form, right? That's yes, how it makes correct. it makes the yeast. So basically what they're doing is instead of allowing a specific bacteria to build up, they're utilizing old bacteria. So I would I would, honestly I would love to have like two or three bottles of this side by side and taste and see if you can taste any kind of a difference. Well, I think that's why there's small batches, mm-hmm. right? Um, they don't make a ton of them. Yeah. And because it's the unique grain bill, it can't be categorized as a bourbon or as a rye, which is why it's a whiskey sour mash. Interesting. Yep. 
That, that's wild, cool. right? Well, again, it's just there's so many humans are amazing. There's so many different industries and so much knowledge out there that we're not gonna can't cap all of it, but it's awesome to learn. Yep, it's it's really. I mean, just bourbon in general, it's so cool, and the community that comes around it too. You know, it's how many guys and, and women would now. I mean, even Alicia, mm-hmm. she loves bourbon and yeah. smoking cigars, and it's like, oh, I found my person. Yeah, I can right? just. I don't have to go out. I can just do this with you. It's. It's amazing. Yep. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and, and swirl around. It's been sitting for a little bit now. Uh, did, does it mention the notes on it at all? Yes. Okay. Uh, so the first thing, it's 43%, so it's a little bit lighter. Yep. Um, fire charred, New American White Girls, Girls, we said. Tasting notes, we're looking for brown, burnt brown sugar with spice, sweet, smoky fruit, candied cherries, honeyed vanilla. It starts out like a bourbon, but it should finish like a rye. And I think that has to do with the sour mash build. Mm-hmm. So okay. you should get kind of the smoothness and then a little bit of the dry heat on the back end. Right up front on the nose, a lot of sweetness coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, compared to when we first opened the bottle, I feel like the heat definitely dissipated. Dissipated, yeah. Yeah, because this was hot. Yeah, guys, I'm sorry. We do sometimes quality control this a little bit to loosen up before. You got to get out the neck Yeah. Um, honestly. It's for the purpose of science. Just on the nose. Hundred percent getting that vanilla. That and there's a little bit of burn on the nostrils, but yeah. nothing not, overwhelming. Not, and you nothing, wouldn't expect it because it's not it's not hundred proof. It's not hundred proof. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, honestly, out of the three small batches that we had, I think this one presents a lot of flavor mm-hmm. up front on the yep. nose before you even take yeah. a sip. Okay. Yeah. It's like the opposite. Mm-hmm. So I'm used to it starting out hot and then finishing mellow. Yeah. This starts mellow and then finishes hot. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, to your point. I know. The bourbon finishing with the rye. Yeah. That's, wow. that's interesting. It's very, I can't get over the smell. The smell is so powerful with the vanilla and the sweetness, but then yeah. you take a sip of it and you definitely get that, that oak. I get the oak. I get a little bit of the burnt fruit, yep. like sweet fruit. And the brown sugar. Um, yeah. But honestly, that was a very unique flavor note. The burnt or yep. the was it scorched or burnt brown sugar? Yeah, smoky fruit and then uh, burnt sugar. Burnt, yeah. So is that is that caramel? Are they trying to say caramel, but in I, a different no, way? No, I don't think so because you would you would think they would say, hey, there's there's a caramel or caramel depending on where in the U.S. you're from. <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but hmm. I, mean, I like it. Yeah, so far out of yeah out of the three, especially just, compared to last week's. Yeah, well, <laughs> sorry, Matthew. Did you watch Rain of Fire? No, yeah, unbelievable. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't. But I did go on a Matthew McConaughey kick. Like, I guess I searched for him, and then my social medias took over. Mm-hmm. So I saw a lot of Magic Mike, dude. Not complaining. Though. You need you need to watch Rain of Fire. Okay, I'm maybe I'll record you. it for you. I'll put it up. Literally need to watch Rain of Fire. Charlie, you guys can video. You you and Alicia can grab a bourbon. Matthew yeah. McConaughey, I don't think the cigar leaves his <laughs> mouth the entire fucking movie. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Okay. Just saying. I don't, you keep, okay. no, it's perfect. What you just described was that movie, like you guys are Rain of Fire minus the dragons. <laughs> That's what it's it is. Awesome. What it is. And the, dra- yeah, yeah. the dragons. Okay. Yeah, exactly. God. <laughs> Magic hour. Ugh, All right. I can't wait for you guys to watch it. It's going to be so good. I'm, I will. You're going to come back like, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> I'll give you, we'll watch it this week. I'll give you guys an update perfect. next week. Um, but, as we sip on the bourbon, very happy that we have, you know, a good, a good sipper to start out the, the conversation with. Um, like I said, we're going to try and get, break it down to four total articles uh, for you guys and kind of 
honestly, a lot of these articles play off of each other very well. So, Jameson, do you want to start off or you want me to take it? Uh, I can start. All right, I'm go just, for it. I'm loading mine right now, so give me just a second. Okay. Because uh, it was, I chose this one because it's a very interesting headline just in general. Yeah. Um, do I want personalized ads? Probably not. <laughs> not going to lie. All right. So, the article that I'm going to read came out a couple days ago called Zombie Mortgages Could Force Some Homeowners Into Foreclosure. Ooh, I like this. I so like I, like I like the article for a couple of reasons. Number one, because anytime you talk about zombie mortgages, you're like, what mm. the fuck is that? Right. Yep. Uh, and then the other buzzword is foreclosures. And we've talked about it time and again, where anybody that says there is a housing market crash coming, the first thing that they go to is there's going to be a wave of foreclosures. Yep. This is the first article. And I don't, I'll be honest, like I'm going to give you my opinion right up front. I don't, this is not going to lead us into just a surplus of inventory. We're yeah. so mm-hmm. far beyond that. Same thing. You guys can go back to any, any podcast we've done talking about inventory and understand that yes, foreclosures are on the rise, but they're on the rise from zero to like 0.001. Yeah. So yeah. data matters, Very insignificant, right? especially if you compare it to yes. the past of 2008. But this article is interesting because essentially what it does is it goes through and it talks about second mortgages, right? So when we talk about second mortgages, that could be things like a home equity line of credit or HELOC. Um, It could be a cash out refinance. Um, You know, uh, it could be uh, back in 2008, 2007, a lot of people would do a down payment, but Mm -hmm. then would take out a second loan to cover the rest of the down payment because they didn't initially have 20% down in order to buy the house. A lot of those different things, right? And essentially what happened was... um, the lenders, once those second mortgages, because they tend to be smaller, right? If, mm-hmm. I, if I'm a bank and I've got a $500,000 loan and then I've got like a $30,000 home equity line of credit, well, if that home equity line of credit really isn't paying me anything, the cost, it, the cost of me servicing that loan versus just writing it off, mm-hmm. potentially back then, back in 2010, 11, 12, mm-hmm. was actually, it was better to just write off the loan. Yeah. And people were getting notices that, the loan was either written off or they would start getting their mortgage statements where the second loan wasn't on there, yep. right? And then they would just go, okay, no big deal. It must have been paid off. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Or they would assume wrongly that it was rolled into the primary mortgage. What happened was now, as we've gotten into 2022, 2023, interest rates have gone up. You're starting to see higher interest rates on things like home equity, mm-hmm. credit, home equity line of credits, et cetera. Yep. They're now becoming more profitable mm-hmm. and those loans weren't actually charged off. So what's happening is all of a sudden people are coming in and going, wait a second, where is this $100,000 coming from that mm-hmm. I now owe? Now all of a sudden my mortgage payment just jumped another, you know, call it $250 a month, $300 a month. Now I have to, I get a letter in the mail that I'm defaulting on a second mortgage that I didn't know I had or I thought was written off. Yep. Um, and the reason I wanted to bring it up, right, is because it is something to look at it. Um, there's an example on here uh, where a gentleman moved in, uh, to a house started paying the primary mortgage in 2010. His brother owned the house, died in 2015, and it's now owned by an estate. He had been paying a mortgage for 13 years. Um, and he did not know that there was a second lien on the house from a secondary mortgage back from when he first bought it until this year, and they wanted to foreclose. Sounds like a, a wonderful agent that he was working with that, you know. Yep. <laughs> let yeah. him know about that. <laughs> yep. So, um, the estate owed about 180000 Almost half of it was interest. Charged at 6.6% for 14 years. 
out of nowhere. Um, so essentially, basically, they were super popular. And then, uh, and I'll, I'll read this directly from the article, right? So investors had owned and traded them for years, the secondary loans, because mm-hmm. they're extremely profitable. But their investments got a lot more valuable when housing prices shot up over the past several years. So they, writ- they wrote them off, mm-hmm. and they're like, wait a second, we can make money off of these. Now I'm going to start charging people. Yep. Right? Yep. Uh, Hence the zombie was dead. Yes. Came back exactly. to life. Exactly. Um, so non-performing second mortgages sold for 59% of the unpaid principal in 2022 versus 40% in 2021, 20% increase, right? So now they have an incentive to go, actually, we want this paid. Mm -hmm. So now it's actually, it behooves them to charge now for those second mortgages versus just writing them off. And not only that, but they're facing, I mean, banks are trying to get their money back right now. Yep. Because if people aren't taking out mortgages, like like we've seen, banks are losing money. And again, we've stated this before, the banks do not invest in real estate to lose money. Correct. Right? So as we see, I think, and I honestly, I think it's a, it's a thing that we're seeing specifically because of what's going on with the mm-hmm. U.S. economy right now. Yep. We've talked, we talked about it, what, I think it was last week or, yeah, last week with the treasury bonds, mm-hmm. right? And treasury bonds are at an all-time low right now. Yep. And what are they going to do? They're trying to make their money back. So, right. you know, and it's funny, as a, as a normal consumer, you know, everyday, everyday layman's person that I am, I sit here and I go, what the fuck are you talking about? If they, how can they just come out of nowhere and be like, hey, you owe this money? You know, and, and that's a shock, especially to, honestly, the highest unemployment rate that we're seeing in the last five years, crawling up what we crawled up at 3.8 with the last report. It doesn't sound like a lot, but mm-hmm. now you have these things that are coming up, like these payments, and right. it's, just not, it's just not doable for a yep. lot of people. That's, that's very interesting. So here's another example, right? Uh, this family in Florida... They owned the house for, I think it was almost 10 years. Let's see. Um, 2006, they bought it. They got a first mortgage and then a smaller second mortgage for the down payment. And then in 2014, they got a mortgage modification notice, which essentially means, hey, we're modifying the mortgage. We're selling it off to a secondary company, whatever. Here you go, right? Well, their first and second mortgage were from the same lender, and they thought the second mortgage was included in the modification. Now, fast forward to last year they the secondary mortgage was sold and it was in default and they now owe a hundred thousand dollars on a secondary mortgage that was originally valued at fifty seven thousand right i mean but it also and unfortunately and i'm, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this but again it comes down to accountability on on the individual right i, I think it's both right well, I, yeah don't get me it's wrong it's both but at the same time the way that i look at it and because i'm terrified of money right like i, I Jameson knows, like, I'll, I'll buy the on-sale shit over the regular price all the time. And I feel bad for my girlfriend because it's going into her life. But the reason I say that is because when you, when you look at things like that, mm-hmm. it really comes back to, to the thought of, like, oh, shit, I have to be, I have to be prepared. Right. And, and in what way can you do that if you don't know if it, that it's happening? Yes. Yeah. So, and I think it, there's two easy ways to do this, right? And I tell my people all the time, anytime we close on a house you're going to get a shit ton of paperwork about your loan and your title and filing Mm -hmm. it with the assessor's office and blah, 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 blah. There's only two people you should call. You should call your lender, whoever originated your loan, Mm -hmm. and your realtor. And your realtor is going to tell you to call your lender, right? That's that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're getting something that is not from your lender, ask about it, question it, before anything has to do, because this is a large amount of money. I mean, $100,000 is a lot of money for Mm -hmm. anybody, right? The second thing you can do is you can do what's called an O&E. And O&E is done through a title company. Any title company can do it mm-hmm. at any point. 
it is very expensive. It costs about $5. Yep. I've done it on every property I've ever listed. And what it does is title then goes through and they search for any lien on a property. Now, in layman's term, a lien just means a financial institution, an individual that can lay claim to your home based on money owed. That's essentially what it is, right? Yep. So if I do an O&E on a house, it will give me, if it's a mechanics lien, if it's mm-hmm. a first mortgage, if it's a second mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, yep. et cetera. And even these zombie mortgages that are so far, you know, oh, mm-hmm. they were written off, whatever, so they'll still me. show up yep. because they have to be filed in order for that financial institution to then claim that money. Mm-hmm. It has to be filed. They can't just say, hey, uh, I charged this off, but now I want my $100,000. It has yep. to be filed. So you can ask the realtor that you're working with, you can go directly to a title company as a consumer if you want to. You can go through your lender. Yep. You can pay the $5 if you think that you may have something on your house that you want to take care of and not end up in a situation like the two examples mm-hmm. I just gave in this news article. Pay the 5 bucks. It takes about two days. ONE comes back and you will see every single lien on your property, whether it's HOA, whether it's mechanic, whether it's financial, whether it's anything. doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And then at least that gives you the peace of mind to go, okay, well, I don't have anything to worry about. And again, this this brings me back to my comment on, you know, personal accountability. And the reason I bring it up like that is because unfortunately in the grand scheme of our capitalistic loan-based economy, right, is at the end of the day, what I said is exactly what the bank will say to you is you go, well, I didn't know this was here. Oh yeah. They don't care. They're, no, exactly. No. They're going to go, oh, well, why didn't you check on it? Yeah. We, this was a thing you have, you have O and E possible checks for $5. Why didn't you do this? I don't care that you didn't do that. Give me my money. Right. And right. the point of this is how many of our viewers, listeners, anybody watching mm-hmm. this knew if you didn't work in this industry, what an O&E was. Yes, 100%. Right? You need, I guarantee you nobody goes, oh, I can do that for five bucks. But hey, if you pay attention to the podcast, you would have known back almost 10 episodes ago yep. now. We had Lauren Avery Collins first shout out title. Uh, yep. for First Integrity Title. And she walked us through exactly what that looks like, what mm-hmm. the process is. Um, so yeah, it's just, again, knowledge. I don't want anybody listening or watching to be in this, but if you, or, I mean, honestly guys, right. We have a lot of millennial viewers. Yeah. If it's your parents who bought a house in 2006, Mm -hmm. 2007, 2008, ask them, Hey guys, just, you know, I was listening to Charlie and Jameson talk about bullshit today, (laughs) but they mentioned zombie mortgages. Do you guys know if you had Mm -hmm. a secondary mortgage that you may not be paying because you thought it was restructured? If your parents go, I'm not really sure. I worry about anybody you know, 60 and up that has Easy. not bought or sold a house in 10, 15, 20 years. 100%. Check on your people and give them this information. And who knows? Maybe it'll save somebody $100,000. I don't yeah. know. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, so it, when, it comes to, when, when it comes to news headlines, like mm-hmm. we said, right? If I were scrolling through and I saw that one, 100% I'd click on that. I, I clicked on it. The hell's a zombie mortgage? You know, like I, I would want to learn about that. But it also comes down to that is not a a layman's title, right? No. A lot of people would scroll past that and be like, oh, I don't, I'm not really in real yep. estate. I don't really care about that, right? Yep. Um, but it is very important and the knowledge you can gain from it and what you can protect yourself from is phenomenal. But what we see more of is, is these news headlines that, are, that really kind of push keywords, right? Yep. And, and have things in them that spark people's interest and go, wait a second, do I have to, I should read this because I'm looking where I'm planning on looking. So before we move on, was there anything else that you wanted to go over for for your, Yeah, I just wanted to give the the silver lining of this, right? Yeah. Because to your point, this, it's a shock headline. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's bring back statistics. Um, 1.84% of active second mortgages Mm -hmm. originated between 2005 and 2008 are late on payments by 90 days or more. 
the delinquency rate on all second loans is less than half of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the one thing. So it is not a massive problem, but all it takes is one. And you don't, who, if, so, if all of a sudden you find out that somebody's foreclosing your house, you don't give a fuck if you're one out of a million. Yep. It's still going to suck. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second piece of this is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has stepped in because of this rise in people trying to resurrect these mortgages. And they have given guidance essentially saying that debtor, debtors or creditors, creditors, not debtors, creditors, debt collectors, we'll just go with that, yeah. can't file for a petition to collect those delinquent mortgages if they hadn't been trying to collect on them before. Each state has a statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. If it is beyond whatever the statute of limitations is, they can't come after you. So That's you as enough. a consumer are being protected by the federal government mm-hmm. and the, and the uh, mm-hmm. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau um, that they can't threaten judicial action, right? They can ask for it, but they can't threaten foreclosure if you don't pay. If they purposely had not been trying to collect it over the last 10, 15 years, depending on what that statute of limitations is. That's good. Now, I don't know exactly what the statute is because um, it doesn't say, and I honestly forgot to do some research on this one, but mm-hmm. I know it does vary by state, right? Um, so just make sure you check and if, if it's a question, but it's a small problem that turned into a big headline yep. that had used a lot of scary words. Mm-hmm. And our job is to take it at face value, kind of dig into it. And the two big things I would say is check on, the, check on your people, especially if your parents, grandparents that bought 2005, yep. 2008, make sure they're up to date. Understand what an O&E is. And if you guys want to order it, you guys want to use a realtor to order it. It literally costs five bucks. It's nothing mm-hmm. crazy. I'll do it for you. And then understand <laughs> that each state has a statute of limitations that would prevent debt collectors from threatening judicial actions such as foreclosure on secondary mortgages if they haven't been trying to collect on them in the past. Awesome. I like it. See? Good wrap up. Yep. Good wrap up. I like it. Um, and what I did for my, what I decided to do for my article was I wanted to go to, I don't want to say a more well-known, but more of a name brand, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, you have the main ones, Fox, CNN, NBC, the, the big guys, right? Yep. So this article that I found was from uh, CNBC. Okay. And the title was, Mortgage Demands Drop Despite Rates Coming Off Recent Highs, right? So when I look at that, that's kind of like a pull them in and then gaslight them, right? With a mortgage demands drop, okay, despite... Rates coming off a recent high. It's like, okay, so what you're telling me is they should go up if rates are going down. But they're not. Okay. Ah, I'm scared. But honestly, the reason I want to break it down, this one down, is because a title like that mm-hmm. can grab a lot of attention, can scare a lot of people. But when you open it and actually read through the numbers, you're going, okay, this is, this is kind of normal, especially from what we've seen over the last year, right? So some, some key points that the article kind of expanded on were, Mortgage applications declined 1.4% last week. From last week. To this from last week, yeah. week to this week, yeah. right? But we've seen it go from, what was it? At one point, we saw a 20% decline, right? So it, it's, it's yeah, almost like- I think like, the statistic is year over year, we're still down 31%. Well, yeah, and that's actually yeah. what I was going to say was, if you look at the year over year numbers, <clears throat> they, they quoted at 27% yeah. lower. Depends on you talking Year about over year, that. right? Yeah, it depends on the statistic. But- now you're looking at it and you're going, okay, well, if I look at this as a whole, the market's definitely slowing down. I thought it was slowing down last year, but now we're even lower than it was last year around this time. And this time last year was when we really saw the biggest hits versus 2022 and 2021. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, I think, what is it? May, June, right? Mm-hmm. So I think June last year, 
don't quote me on this, but I think that was the first time we hit over five and a half percent. Yep. And then people are like, oh my God, we might actually hit six. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And what, and on a, we, you've heard us talk about it before. Basically what happens is as interest rates drop, people go, oh my God, it's more affordable. We should rush to it. Right. So the interest rates did drop, but they dropped from 6.91 to 6.81. And at the end of the day, that doesn't make a whole lot of a difference no. to people, especially when the average home price is still peaking right. 450 plus. That's still not doable for a lot of average Americans. Correct. And we talked about this last week mm-hmm. or the week before, one of the last two episodes, where we've seen so far that the sweet spot for mortgage applications to increase significantly is anything at or below 6.5%. Yep. So if you see the headlines saying, oh, they dropped even though they're off recent highs, recent highs is a completely subjective mm-hmm. statement because recent, I mean, we've had recent highs like 18 times in the last yeah. 10 months, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you go from 6.91 to 6.81, yeah, it's off recent highs, but we know from an affordability standpoint, and you guys can do the math, right? Like there's a median income in the United States. Yep. There is a average amount of debt being carried. Mm-hmm. There is a debt to income ratio used to qualify for mortgages. So if I go from 6.91 to 6.81, it mathematically it's just not a big enough drop to bring buyers into the market. So yes, Correct. applications are going to continue to dip, mm-hmm. right? Now, if it went from 691 to 72, mm-hmm. we would have probably seen oh, a 15% drop, 100%. right? But a 1.4% drop just means, yeah, you know what? We were waiting to see what happened. It didn't happen. I'm not going to mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything. Like, well, and and to your point on that, um, another another thing that they mentioned and it was at the end of the article, of course it is. last paragraph, right? And it said not, uh, it has not moved much due to little economic data. Yeah, because economic data sucks right, right? now. Well, no, it, it, they basically said, hey, we didn't get a lot of information this week, so that's why it didn't move. Right, and the other right? piece of this is what they were saying, with the other side of this coin on a different article, just to point out the fact that headlines are there to make you click on things, guys, just mm-hmm. so you know. Yep. We will click on them for you and tell you if they're <laughs> bullshit, yep. uh, is the economic data did come out hotter than expected, mm-hmm. right? Um and because of that, what's happening is, and what happens every single time, the uh, mortgage companies are pricing in the potential for another Fed rate hike, mm-hmm. which last month we got a Fed rate hike and they yep. said this might be the last one. Guess what happened? Unemployment came back, still stupidly low. We talked about that a little bit mm-hmm. last week. Why? We just don't have enough people to work. Yep. Um, you've got inflation still running high. Mm-hmm. Housing has come down for sure, right? Yep. I think the one of the other articles I was looking at was saying that you know year over year the average home pr- or median home price in the U.S. has decreased by eighteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars on average. In hot markets, Seattle, Arizona, Denver, yep. uh, California, etc., they've dropped almost eighty mm-hmm. percent. Or sorry, not eight <laughs> percent. $80,000, right? Yep. So we're seeing that part of inflation take a hit. But if you look at gas prices, mm-hmm. they stayed pretty consistent month over month. As a matter yeah. of fact, some of them have increased. They're going to because during summer, you're going to get people traveling. Traveling. Um, you know, and one of the biggest, this is kind of a, a, a random fact, but one of the biggest drivers of energy prices is jet fuel. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And as we go into spring and summer, kids are out of school, people start traveling. Those are naturally going to increase because pe- more people are taking airplanes, yeah. right? Like we mm-hmm. Denver, I think last month during Memorial Day weekend saw the most amount of traffic that it had in four years going through that airport to travel, 
right? So it's going to it's going to raise it. Yeah. So inflation's not tanking, mm-hmm. which means that we think the Fed's probably going to raise rates maybe 0.25 yeah. again. Well, and uh, 25 basis point points was they said in that in that last part, it's finished with we'll see basically we'll see what happens after next week inflation report. So the reason I brought that up specifically is because it's like and you've masterfully said it before, it is not timing the market, it's time in the market, right? It's figuring out how you can perform it, how you, how you can, you know, manipulate it to, to your favor. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point uh, about refinancing, right? Another point in the article that they talked about is refinance fell 1% week over week. And then it highlighted that, oh my God, it's 42% lower than last year. But, yeah, it is. But again... <laughs> Think about what happened last year around right. this time. Yeah. And that's why like, I love statistics. They can be good, they can be bad, depending on how you want to manipulate them, right? But if, for somebody that framing. doesn't... Framing. Yeah, but I like to use the word manipulate. I like that too, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was always taught framing, but yes, it's the exact same thing. Right, but if, you, if people look at that number and they go, holy shit, 42% lower, like, what, what, what's going on? Why aren't people refinancing? And you go, yeah, but that's because last year everybody was at uh, scared because interest rates were going up past the lows that they were at. Right. And they're going, well, I need to refi before this goes up. Right. And luckily, if they did, cool. Or the other piece happened where the people that didn't sell their houses mm-hmm. refinanced and took the cash out yeah. to pay off debt. Well, and that, yeah, exactly. You know and that's saying? what I mean, though. Yeah. They were trying to capitalize right. on right. what the market was last year versus this year. Yeah, if you compare the market of June. Yeah, nobody's going to refinance a f- from a 5.75 to a 6.9. Exactly. Fucking stupid. Why would you do that? If you do, stop. Yeah, don't, don't do, do that. that. You know, like it's, it's, so, it's so interesting to me. And, and so it was. I, I like this article because where it's not, you know, the world is on fire kind right. of an article. It is one of those where the layman's will see that and go, I know, I know what mortgage means. I know what uh, rates mean, you know, and, and they'll look at that, but then they'll look at the numbers and unfortunately not knowing what you don't have context. Was. Exactly. Right. Context. You don't have context. Exactly. And mm-hmm. historical context is everything when it comes to statistics. Yes. Same reason why we talk about the foreclosure rates, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Foreclosures are up 217% year over year. That's a scary number. Mm-hmm. But if it's up from, you know, zero to point <laughs> zero two, that's yep. 200%. Mm-hmm. But if we're 87% under what the national average was in 2019, then yeah, it's not a big fucking deal. Exactly. Right? But you exactly. need context. You can't take them at face value. Don't ever take anything at face value. I'd love to see, like, we need to do a game show. We need to, there needs to be a game show of, like, millennials, Gen Z, and boomers. And all three, like, f- they have, like, two buttons, like like an ice button and a fire button. And then they flash an article up on the screen. And just to see wh- how they react. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I feel like... Or, like, a happy emoji and an angry emoji. Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like... And please, again, not coming for anybody. It's just how times work. Oh, no, we're coming for people. The, the boomers didn't have this much information at their fingertips. They didn't have this many articles. So to them, mm. if they see an article come out from the main guy, like this one... They're going to react heavy, more heavily to, you know, younger millennials, Gen Zers who are like, I get 50 of these a day. I, I pick which one I want. And so, it, but unfortunately, boomers right now control so much mm-hmm. of home inventory. Yeah. They have a lot of control. And if they're fearful, they're not going to sell. Everybody else is, is, is losing out. Well, it's, I mean, there, there's the fearful part of it, right? But there's also just the practicality of selling. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the numbers are the numbers. The mm-hmm. 6.8% for somebody that, you know, yes, you might have $250,000, $300,000 in equity, right? Yep. But you're also staring at a refi. At, I was talking to my parents. I think they refied at a three, 
three seven five, right? Mm. Something like that. And they, um, I mean, they probably have at least two hundred thousand dollars in equity in their yeah. home. They're not going to sell it. No. Even though they put a big chunk of change, like, no, oh, we're happy with the house. Mm-hmm. We don't need anything more. Maybe if rates were three, they yeah. would, because oh, then yeah. they would be able to sell their house for even more and buy something bigger. Mm-hmm. But right now, it just doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, at the end of the day, mortgage rates uh, going up, going down, demand going up, going down. Realistically, like, the, the fact of the matter is it all boils down, like we talked about last week, to inventory. Yep. And until we get more inventory... Nothing else is going to change, mm-hmm. plain and simple, right? It's 100%. the same reason why uh, we were talking earlier and we said that even though mortgage demand has decreased, right, 31% or 27%, whatever yep. article you want to read, year over year. So 31% less mortgages are being applied for between now and last year. However, homes, 33% of homes on the market sell over list. Yep. And, so, and last month's report for Colorado was that the average time on market was six, five or six days. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. even at an inflate, and the average home price during May was $600,000. Right. So Which is lower. It, it is. was six twenty five. Yes. But my whole point in that is, you would think, mm-hmm. based on what this article headline says, that all of a sudden, it's slowed down. Exactly. And it has not. And it, no, it hasn't. It right? has not. If people have money and they're able to spend it, they're going to spend it. Yeah. Well, and here, and that's, so to your point, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of, I got another article, but I'll just give you the statistic right now. So, uh, pending sales from April to May of this year mm-hmm. versus last year are down 25%. 25%. Right? Yep. And going from April to May is normally the, the height of the spring buying period. Yep. And from April to May this year, home, pending home sales are flat, mm-hmm. which means we did not see a spike going into spring. Yep. Right? So to me, that's it's, it's kind of crazy because we're seeing a drop in – the mortgage applications, mm-hmm. we're seeing a huge drop in pending home sales. Yep. Which means there's no inventory, which means that if you do have a home on the market and it's priced right, it's going to sell. It's going to sell. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And again, numbers, man. They're yep. beautiful. All right, Jameson, what's, uh, what's your second article you're bringing? Second the article. Let me pull this up real quick and maybe unlock my MacBook. <laughs> I will say, on the, on the bourbon note, while he's pulling that up, I'm... Do you think a sour mash adds a little bit more sweetness? Uh, I think, yes. I think it adds a little bit more complexity because mm-hmm. of the reversal of how you drink it. Yeah. Like, I don't, it's fucking with my head a little bit, but the fact that I get that sweetness up front mm-hmm. and then the burn in the rye in the back, my brain's like, ooh, this is new and yeah. this is different. I like mm-hmm. this. Well, even just the way it sits on your tongue. Like, yeah. It's not, normally you get more of the, the, the oak, the wood from uh-huh. it, but- I'm, I, the sweetness is sitting yeah, on my tongue. I know. It's very, very, I, very yeah, interesting. It's, very interesting. It is very interesting. Stay tuned to see how we rate yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> Hence, real estate served on the rocks that yeah. we rate it. Because we actually don't drink any of this on the rocks at all, ever. <laughs> a little bit of a misnomer. but <laughs> We're serving them real estate information on the rocks. And most, ah, there it is. There and also, uh, that was actually the original, I think the original name. Idea, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, anyway, whoop, let's go back. Uh, so my other article was another kind of clickbaity one with a giant for sale sign. Ooh, and try, I'll show you. It's got some cobwebs on there as yeah. if like, oh man, this house has been on the market forever. Yep. Uh, the article is two in three Americans planning to buy a home are waiting until mortgage rates drop. Mm. Okay. Which is kind of the theme that we've seen, right? A mm. lot of people are on the sidelines. 
And again, why you see articles like I just said that yeah. are mentioning rates. Right. But it's funny because you look at it and you go, okay, well, they're waiting for rates to drop. But then I've got sellers that are waiting to sell their house for rates to drop. Mm-hmm. So everybody's waiting for the rates to drop, right? Yep. And it goes back to my, my thing. Shout out Bigger Pockets uh, Real Estate Podcast. But time in the market beats timing the market. Like I swear to God, if you guys take one thing away from yeah. anything, Take that away and understand that you are playing a long game. Mm -hmm. You are not buying something to then sell it two days later. You are buying something to live in, make your own, renovate, make memories, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then 10, 15 years down the road, you're going to go, holy shit, I can make $250,000 on this and set myself up, right? That's what it is, Mm -hmm. right? If it's a rental property, same concept. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked to somebody that was looking at renting or instead of uh, selling their house, renting their house. Well, I mean, I could rent it, but if I do the math, like I'm only making $200 extra a month. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have one rental property, that's not the point, right? The point is, yeah, you're going to make 200 bucks and maybe you just reinvest that into something else. It's not a lot. It's not going to make you financially free. But what it is going to do is if you can afford it and you go buy something else, now you have a property that you own that somebody else is paying down the principal, Mm -hmm. which you don't now have to do. Yep. Right? So anyway, the point of this is uh, nearly two thirds of Americans planning to buy a home have decided to postpone their search until mortgage rates come down from their current elevated levels. Okay. Obviously we're rate sensitive. We just talked about that. Right? Yep. If they drop, if they raise, we'll see mortgage demand, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, the survey, and it's, you know, this is what I would call a flawed article because it doesn't tell me how big the survey was. It doesn't tell yep. me where the survey was taken. It just says the survey mm-hmm. said 65% of respondents are delaying their home buying plans because of overall economic uncertainty. Ah, yes. Interesting, right? Hey, Jameson, let's play a game. There's two of us here, right? Yes. Hey, Jameson, are you, are, are you going to put your house up for sale? Are you right looking, now? Are you looking to buy a house right now? I'm not. Oh, damn. Well, you know what? I'm looking to buy a house right now. Interesting. Is, 50% of the survey says people are looking to buy a house right now. Where's Steve Harvey? <laughs> right. Survey says. <laughs> right? So, like, and again, it comes down. I, I really like that you made that point is if it's something says survey, try and see where the survey came from and how it was actually accredited. Well, like, here, here's the thing, right? What I just say, 65% are delaying their home buying purchase. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's another same article. Another statistic. <laughs> Further down. Only 6% of respondents plan on buying a house this summer, with 4% saying they'll buy in the fall. Mm. 4% of what? <laughs> of, of everybody of, we talked to. Of 10? Of 100,000? <laughs> of the entire United States? Yep. Of only white males 25 to 35 with a college education? Like, mm-hmm. what are the parameters? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it says 32% say they will wait until 2024 or later to enter the market, depending on what when mortgage rates go down. And then more than half of millennials and Gen Zers, shout out to anybody watching on their phone or on TikTok, yep. uh, feel stressed about buying a home, believing home ownership is more out of reach for them compared to previous generations. I will agree with that. I was going to say uh, 100%. I, I do agree with that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I think that the challenge, the affordability challenge, and man, I wish I had the statistic. I know it was Denver, Colorado, and it was, we were ta- it was talking about the home shortage and essentially saying that the median price of a home had increased by over the last three years, call it 50%. Yes. Yep. Right. Yep. But the median income increase has only increased by 13%. 13, yep. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So yes, I trust me. I am on everybody's side here. That's yes. watching this. That is either currently renting, mm-hmm. wanting to buy, but not sure if they actually can. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I feel for you because yeah. yes, I believe affordability is mm-hmm. out of whack right now. Um, and again, I'm going to get to this at the end of the article. So just hold on to that thought. Uh, housing costs are the most significant source of financial anxiety for 60 per, 68% of the surveys. Um, it says home affordability may be high in Americans' minds, but isn't the only concern. The economy is causing significant anxiety as well, with 83% of respondents saying unknown expenses are their largest source of financial anxiety, yep. right? What do we know about human beings? Human beings like consistency and predictability. It Comfort. makes it easier for the brain. Uh, I'm reading a book right now called The Art of Impossible. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal book, if you guys can pick it up. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, but it talks about how the human brain works, right? Yeah. And the human brain is an energy hog. Mm-hmm. So it only takes up, um, I swear to God, I'm gonna tie this back. It only takes up 2% of our of the total mass of our body. Yep. But the expenditure is 25% of our energy. Of our energy, right? Jameson and I's news feeds are apparently right on. Yeah. And we're, we're doing the right things. But. Right. So, <laughs> but that's why, this is why it's important and why people like consistency and predictability yeah. because the brain understands that, oh my God, I have to expend so much energy, mm-hmm. but I am a very tiny part of the whole. So I have to do it as efficiently as possible. So yep. anytime I can have something consistent and predictable that the brain doesn't really have to think about, mm-hmm. I'm going to be in a very happy place. Shout out to all my neurodivergence out there struggling right now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it's important because, again, from a financial standpoint, mm-hmm. money is a concern for everybody. And yep. we understand that, right? So mm-hmm. this, to me, makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Now, the it one really thing that I, would, that I would honestly question, and, and I would write to like the, the person who wrote the article is, did you guys include what they're doing while they're waiting? Was that in the survey? I probably not, you know, right. Yeah. And, and that's the whole thing is it, it's, it's great to say, Hey, I want to wait for rates mm. to drop. Hey, Hey, you know, okay. That's wonderful. A- as an agent, when I hear that, the first thing that pops in my mind is okay. They're financially and fiscally responsible. They're trying to time it. They're trying to plan it correctly for them. But then the next question is if you're waiting, how are you capitalizing on mm-hmm. that time? Right. Right. And, and you've heard me talk about it. Jameson talked about it before is if you are told <clears> to wait again, talking to a lender, they can set you up on a financial plan. Jameson's talked about his client that we're on for a year. I'm with a client right now that's probably going to take a year because we had to restructure. Changes happened to his income based on what's going on in the economy. And now we have to figure out what's going to be viable, right? right? And so that's, with an article like that, that's what comes into my mind is, mm-hmm. okay, it's, I understand you're providing information, right. but if you're going to provide that information, it is also your responsibility to, to provide how to benefit off of that information. And I think that's our point, mm-hmm. right? Because the article is meant to get clicks. Yep. So they're going to give you the information. Two and three buyers are waiting for rates to drop. That's great. Okay, cool. What's mm-hmm. the solution, right? The solution is, like Charlie just said, you print out some directions from MapQuest yep. and you go, all right, cool. This is what I need to do and this is where I need to be in order to buy a home, right? I have a buyer that I have a meeting with on Friday mm-hmm. who I originally helped back in 2020. Early 2021, I think. No, early 2022, um, when rates were like 3.75%, right? Things happened. They were going against multiple offers. We didn't have enough cash to come out of pocket for appraisal gaps, whatever. They stopped looking. Then some unfortunate things happened. Set them back another year. They reached out to me again and say, hey, what should we do, right? Our rent's going to go up to $3,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to pay that, we'd rather just own a house. All right, cool. So we're going to sit down and we're just going to come up with a game plan, right? Knowing where rates are at where their financials are at, how much money they have saved. We're going to partner with the lender, a couple lenders, and find out the best avenue. And then at the end of the day, if it's a six-month process of either fixing credit, putting money aside, 
getting into the right program, whatever it is, down payment mm-hmm. assistance, et cetera, we're going to put that plan in place because then in six months, they can now get into a place that's going to cost them exactly what it's costing them. If not really from a math standpoint, $3,000 a month in rent in Colorado will get you a three hundred and fifty to a three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar townhome. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. It will straight up. Like yep. with no questions asked at current interest rates, that's what you're going to spend. Mm-hmm. The difference is if I can get them there in six months versus in three years. Yep. Now they have two years and f- and what? Well, just six months to- of of paying down a principal and gaining equity and wealth. Yes. That's it. Yeah, and, and and again, it just comes down to proper preparation and yes. knowledge. Yep. And and again, we've said it probably a thousand times by this point, but the largest purchase you're ever going to make in your life, be well-educated on it. Reach out and get the information from everybody possible. And I said this, if you guys follow me on TikTok, you guys saw a video that I put out that was like, hey, if you have an agent that's charging you to talk about market trends and what's going on in the market right now, don't use them. I'm going to stick by that because this this is our responsibility. Mm-hmm. We learn about this and we know about this. So when you're sitting there racking your brain and, and chugging a bottle of bourbon because you don't know what the hell's going to happen and you're scared, Reach out to people who do know. And that's not saying reach out to me, reach out to Jameson, we're here for you. But if you have a trusted real estate agent, reach out to them, family member, whoever it is, talk to them because- Yeah, maybe not a family member, unless they're in the industry, well, honestly. No, 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 that's what I meant. Like oh, yeah. A real estate agent yes. yeah. that is in the, in the industry, then and we have to know this. Real, real caveat to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we talked about this like eight episodes ago. There is a very big difference between having a license- and actually being immersed in the industry. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you a perfect example, right? Uh, Charlie's a newer agent. Okay. And you, he could sit there and talk to another agent that's maybe been in the industry for 15 years and does two deals a year because it's kind of a part-time job. They just do it for their, for their family and friends. However, I would make the argument that even just based on the social media research, the research going into the podcast that we've done now for, you know, eight months, Almost et cetera, he is more knowledgeable on the market and the trends and the industry itself than many agents that I have worked with. Well, and and to your point, at that party that I was at last week in birthday party, like I said, I sat down, so many people wanted information. The thing that rang in my head the most and made me puff out my chest is there was a gentleman that was sitting next to me that has been a real estate lawyer for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And he was sitting right next to me, older gentleman, phenomenal person. And as we were talking, he kind of turned to me, he goes, Oh, Charlie, you know what you're talking about. And I looked at him and I was like, John, you have no idea what that means to me. Thank you so much. Yeah. And it's in those moments where I am, I have to myself a sense of validity mm-hmm. to where I go, you know what? I know what I'm talking about because the market is so saturated with real yep. estate agents. You got Zillow and Redfin that push these people. That, by the way, Zillow just fell out of the Fortune 500. Just Yes. <laughs> But they push these people and then people have a bad yeah. interaction mm-hmm. with them because at the end of the day, they're so busy on transactions that right. they may not have that knowledge. Right. And that was a moment for me where I, again, it just restated like, yo, you're doing the right thing. Keep going. But to the point that I made earlier, we, we're supposed to know this information. We are. And I think the, um, if you guys take something away from this real quick conversation that we're having, my hope is that as you guys listen to this podcast or watch it, or watch it on YouTube shorts, TikTok, Facebook, whatever it is, mm-hmm. however you guys watch it, consume the information, that you guys are starting to understand what good questions are to mm-hmm. ask potential realtors, lenders, et cetera, that you're going to work with. Because yes. I guarantee you, if you ask these really, really good questions, you're going to run into somebody and go, oh, you don't, 
you don't really know, do you? Mm-hmm. Which is okay, right? Mm-hmm. Like if everybody could be good at this job, we'd all be millionaires. Yep. But the fact of the matter is I have a 10% rule. Charlie knows it well. I could probably do a whole episode on why I have a 10% <laughs> rule. Um, but it's true, right? And the people that put in the work and they understand and they care about their clients, they care about the industry and they take the time to do the research and they take the time, the time to immerse themselves. Those are the people I want you guys to work with, mm-hmm. whether that's us or whether it's somebody else that fits that goddamn description, because that is going to essentially give you guys the opportunity to purchase, right? You're, you're going into battle with proper armament. Exactly. That's so, legitimately what it is, right? Yep. Um, it, anything else that you wanted to cover on that article? No, I'm going to, I have a, a takeaway on this one, but I'm going to use it for our rock takeaway. Okay. So I, I just, like the, the, I like the purpose it. of the article is essentially saying, yes, a lot of people are waiting for interest rates to drop. Mm-hmm. We don't know when that's going to be. And my biggest takeaway from the article itself is time in the market is always going to beat timing the market. So don't yeah. let interest rates scare you. Mm-hmm. Just understand where they're at and where you're at financially and partner with people that know what the fuck they're talking about mm-hmm. to come up with a plan to put you in a position to purchase your first home yeah. or to upgrade to your dream home, whatever mm-hmm. your, wherever your goal is. Well, and so the, the, the second article that I chose, it, it's kind of like a, a two part article. And it's basically the, the original article head that I, that I had seen is, um, investor who capitalized on 2008 mm. bubble is, is saying that it's going to happen again, the big but, short. but for commercial. Yep. Yep. And then the other one is Elon Musk says that commercial real estate is, is in danger and home values are next, right? And unfortunately, Elon Musk is one of the most rich people in the world. So obviously you have more money. People are going to go, oh my God, he has money. He knows what he's doing. Dude, I saw the greatest tweet the other day and I wish I could quote it, but it was an engineer that finally had what they called this, his Elon Musk moment (laughs) where, oh my God, I'm going to have to look for it. But, But essentially, Elon Musk is a fantastic salesperson. Oh yeah. But he goes, he was saying something about like, okay, Elon Musk wanted to build a rocket, so he built a rocket. Mm-hmm. And then Elon Musk wanted to build an electric car, so he built a car. And then he took over Twitter, and he said, told everybody he knew about engineering. And this dude was a engineer, full-stack developer at Twitter. And he goes, and now I no longer want to ride an Elon Musk's rocket or drive one of his cars. Yep. Because he's a salesperson, mm-hmm. right? With a lot of influence, and that's the scary part. Yep. You know? The dude's got, what, six and a half million followers on Twitter? Something like that. That's that's a shit ton of people going, ooh, like, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Does I he have good you. ideas? Have money. I trust Does you. he have good ideas? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Was he really good with his money? Yes. Does it make him an expert in the real estate market? Fuck no. no. And and that's exactly where I wanted to come up with with that title. And I'll I'll blow, I'll throw both of them up yep. there for you. But the reason I wanted to bring that one up is because when you start seeing headlines like that from people like him, that is where people start getting really scared, mm-hmm. right? And what we're seeing in the commercial real estate market is completely different oh, than, yeah. than what's going on in the, in the private yes. personal real estate market, right? The, the residential real estate market. And the reason I say that is because what we're seeing in commercial is the exact same thing that we saw back in 2008. But lo and behold, we regulated that for residential, commercial, went crazy, especially because when Fed was holding down the, the interest rates, that had never been seen before in commercial real estate. And now, like Jameson said, you have these commercial companies like Zillow, where everybody knows and trusts, just dropped out of Fortune 500. Why? Because they overstretched themselves with minimal interest rates, and now we have a snapback happening yep. with interest rates going up, home values either staying stagnant or dropping, and commercial values. And now, to your point to the first the first article we talked about, 
banks are coming for theirs, mm-hmm. right? So you have all these commercial commercial buildings that are now being tagged for, hey, we, w- we need your money now. We want your money. And they're going, oh, crap, I can't do it. Why? Because you have factors like working from home. People in general just aren't buying office space right now because it is expensive and people just don't have the money to invest in it. Businesses, personal, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so obviously commercial real estate is going to suffer. And in a state like Colorado, three, four episodes ago, we talked about the the Gallagher Act being repealed. They're focusing on residential because that's going to help the day-to-day, everyday citizen. They're not focusing on businesses and secondaries, which people are doing rental markets. That's what's going to happen. Well, and again, the bottom line is, and the the sooner people realize this, I think the sooner the the fear of a housing market crash will quell. Mm -hmm. Guys, it's supply and demand, okay? So if you go to 2008, what happened? People foreclosed, right? They had balloon payments. All of a sudden, all these foreclosures hit the market. They had to then get uh, repoed by the bank. The bank then had to auction them off. And now all of a sudden, we had this massive overload Mm -hmm. with building new construction plus all the foreclosures, not enough people being able to qualify to buy the houses. We had too much supply Mm -hmm. and not enough demand. And what happened and what always happens when you have too much supply and not enough demand, prices tank, okay? That's that's it. Mm-hmm. Commercial real estate, we are seeing the exact same thing. The exactly. pandemic forced everybody from home. Then all of a sudden everybody realized, oh my God, I can get, mm-hmm. you know the whole, what was the joke? Like, oh, this meeting could have been an email, yeah. right? It's true. Cool. Well, now mm-hmm. it can be a Zoom meeting, but I can take it from the comfort of my home office. Yep. Oh. And there's been massive studies done that productivity really goes didn't, up. didn't drop off, yeah. right? And people are, are very hesitant to go back and commute and do all these different things because now you've got energy costs. They want to spend money on gas, mm-hmm. yada, 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 whatever, right? So now there's an oversupply of empty commercial buildings, mm-hmm. okay? Well, the people that own the commercial buildings, like to Charlie's point, are now going, well, I can't rent them out. It's extremely expensive to convert them to multifamily, mm-hmm. so that's not an option. So now i got to sell them. Well, if I'm selling my commercial building along with 30 others in downtown Denver, guess what's going to happen? With high interest rates. The price is going to tank and mm-hmm. I'm going to take a loss. If I take yep. a loss, now I'm writing off debt and it's this whole snowball effect that we saw. Mm-hmm. But you guys understand the crux of it is supply versus demand. Yep. Too many commercial buildings, mm-hmm. not enough companies, employers, et cetera, needing to use them for their workforce. Well, And I love how it's funny. How so article, simple. How the article kind of tailored it. It was almost like Elon was like, Commercials coming, and then it's almost like he grew some horns, and it got real dark and red around him. And he goes, "Housing, housing prices are next." Yeah, right. Because like, people equate real estate to real estate, which yeah. is the dumbest shit ever. Like, well, and not only that, but it, what's it's funny dumb. to me is, yeah, honestly, if you look at the market right now, what's the issue? People can't buy because interest rates are high when home values are high. Right. So, what is the only way that the market is going to regulate itself? Right. Home values have to come down. Right. And yes, right now, if you're sitting on a lot of equity, prepare for it because the only way the housing market is going to level is if prices come down. Mm-hmm. And when we see differences between Tampa and Denver, Tampa and Charlotte, North Carolina, of their home prices raising 30% and other home prices being steady, again, across the board, the mm-hmm. only thing that can happen is home values going down to allow more people to buy. So, Elon, I see what you're saying, man, but. That's the only thing that can happen. Well, and like, it's not because, again, to simplify it yeah. to the most layman, dumb it down, I'm talking to a fucking three-year-old, okay, yep. at the lunch table. Mm-hmm. The home prices aren't coming down unless inventory increases. Exactly. I'm sorry. They're, exactly. they're just not. Yep. Unless we build more homes, mm-hmm. 
they're not going to come down. Or if rates drop below four and all of a sudden it alleviates the, you know. Yeah, uh, but we saw that. 1.8 million homes, the households <laughs> that are below a 4% interest rate. Yeah. It's not going to happen. But then also, but we saw that. Interest rates go down. What's going to happen? More buyers are going to come to the market. Which therefore, is you less have inventory. Competition. And less inventory. And less, more competition, less inventory. Therefore, we're going to see 30,000, 80,000 right. over asking again. Yes. It's not as simple as black and white, guys. There it's are not. so many different things that have to happen. And again, the reason I, I quoted Hell, this. Hell, we, we could go out, and there was a third article that we didn't use this week, that there's another big short investor that thinks the biggest threat to housing right now mm -hmm. and why home prices aren't going to go down, floods Yep. and climate change. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we got, like you can go. We, we so many facts. We can, so we can do a three-hour episode and just start. But again, please, I'll be guys, hammered by the end of it. But comment. And <laughs> we want to talk to you about it because this is fun for us. Mm -hmm. Like I genuinely love looking at this and just looking at all the factors that play into it. Right. It it's like a massage for my ADHD yep. brain. It's like, wait, you mean A connects to B and B connects to C mm -hmm. and then C deals with A again? Oh shit. Speaking of what he's talking about, shout out to. Uh, what was the book I was just reading? Oh my God. The Art of um, the art of Impossible. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Like your brain wants to, f it's built on pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. So what he's talking about? Yeah. You guys can use your own life. 100%. But so that article, right? Basically said, hey, commercial real estate's crashing, mm -hmm. which you know what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably is. But Elon Musk making the connection to residential, to, I agree with you. I think it's bullshit. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. No. And, and but not at the rate that everybody thinks. No. Everybody goes, oh, the home. We've already seen a regulation. Which it, ties into the article I just did before, yeah. right? You're waiting for rates to go down. Mm -hmm. That's great. You know what's going to happen? More competition, which yeah. means, yeah, guess what? Your monthly might be less-ish, mm -hmm. but it's going to take you longer to find a house. Yep. You're going to have to ask for, you have to offer over asking, mm -hmm. which means now you're going to have to have cash reserves, which most people don't have. Cover and appraisal get. Yep. Mm -hmm. 100%. So is $184 a month more worth waiting six months because now you got to come out of pocket 20 grand? <laughs> oh, oh, real estate market. What a fickle bitch you are. <laughs> crazy, man. It's crazy. It's awesome. Well, it's crazy. on that note, guys, we covered four different news articles for you. Um, and the last one we didn't go as in depth on, but again, it was one of those clickbaity ones yeah. that a name recognition Title recognition. So we wanted to kind of go over it, just break it down a little bit. Also, but, if you guys have articles that you've seen yeah. that you want us to react to, mm -hmm. send them our way. Let us know. Let By us all know. means, I'd love it. I love to tear people apart. It's oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> We're supporting. Either We're support, way. either way. Uh, but I think it's a good time to move into our Run Rock takeaway. Yep. So, Jameson, you had one in the chamber loaded up? I did, yes. Go for uh, it. We'll eject the cartridge. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so here's, I just mentioned it, right? The waiting for mortgage rates to drop to purchase a home. I understand on one level from an affordability standpoint, right? Like if you literally cannot qualify or it's going to make you house poor to purchase something at 6.8%, don't do it, right? Mm -hmm. Continue to rent, come up with a plan, figure it out. But what you guys have to understand is there's mortgage rates and then there's inventory. Okay. The mortgage rates are going to fluctuate. They're going to go up. They're going to go down. They're going to go sideways. You're going to have something else happen. I don't know. Brazil is going to attack Somalia for some reason and like shit's going to go crazy. We don't know. And it's going to affect it, right? Mm -hmm. But the important piece of the housing market is inventory. And I will say this and I will die on this hill. It doesn't matter what interest rates do if inventory doesn't change because all that's going to happen for you guys waiting for interest rates to drop is they're going to drop to 6%, right? And again, just numbers. Uh, 
between last year and this year, interest rates from 6% to 6.8% have priced out 5.5 million people, mm-hmm. okay? 5.5 million people, Yep. right? If we go back down to 6%, what does that mean? That means 5.5 million people are going to come back on the market to compete for inventory that has not changed. Mm-hmm. That's it. So when you're waiting, okay, have the conversation and go, okay, I could wait, but what does that mean? Financially, this is where I'm at. This is what I can afford. Here's my interest rates. Because what I can tell you right now is at 6.7, 6. anything over 6.5, you can still find deals. You can get concessions. You can get dollars off the, um, the purchase price to make it cheaper. Builders are still offering incentives, not as much, but they still are. Um, all these different things, okay? If interest rates drop, and all of a sudden, five and a half million people come in and go, I can now buy a house. Guess what's going to happen? No incentives, no concessions, no discounts in price. Everything's going to go over list. Everything's going to have multiple offers. You're going to have to come up with appraisal gap money. It's going to be more expensive up front, which again, I would rather be more expensive over 30 years than more expensive by $50,000 up front because most Americans don't have 30 to 50 grand just sitting in there, especially first time home buyers. So if you are in that category, if your mindset is I'm going to wait, which apparently 66.6% of Americans are saying they're going to wait, talk to one of us and let us walk you through it. I'm not going to make you buy anything, but we can at least take an inventory of where you're at financially and go, okay, either makes sense or it doesn't make sense. We'll break it down, give you our idea of where the market's going to go, and then you guys can come up and plan from there. Yep. So I like it. That leads perfectly in, into my one rock takeaway, which is very short and simple. Knowledge is power. What? And like Jameson said, he's going to die on that hill. I'm going to die on this hill. you fucking, what is it? Colonel Mustard. Uh, yeah. Mustard's last stand, right? Right? Yeah. Not Mustard. Is it Mustard? I don't know. I'm going to call him Mustard. Fuck, man. No, oh, this is a civil enough. war. He was part of the first <laughs> distillery, apparently. Close enough, right? Oh, my God. Um, Custard. Custard's Custard. last Mustard. stand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's still some kind of a condiment, right? <laughs> Sorry for anybody related <laughs> to Custard. Oh, <laughs> uh, Wow. Uh, but yeah, my, my one wrong takeaway Colonel is ketchup's last <laughs> knowledge is power. You guys, you have, you have your phone. If you see an article, research it. You can pull up numbers. The United States government posts every single statistic that comes around around unemployment, mm. housing. I mean, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they have a slew of graphs, graph yeah. information that yeah. you can click through. Take it upon yourself to learn. Or if you're questioning something, and again, as much as I would love for it to be Jameson or I, reach out to a professional in, in, in the industry, whether it be a real estate agent, a lender, ask the right questions, get the answers so you feel the most empowered. Because at the end of the day, the only way that this is going to get better is if we all learn and feel empowered in our buying capabilities and knowledge in order to proceed forward. So I, uh, you know my 10% rule, right? Mm-hmm. I got validated this morning. I was reading this book um, called uh, The Ultimate Sales Machine. Yep. And it's a gentleman that worked with Charles Munger okay. uh, as one of his top advisors for a multitude of businesses. And if you guys don't know who Charles Munger is, he is Warren Buffett's uh, investment partner. So He was a what, VP? Uh, right now he's a VP of, he's a chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire, yep. But he's he's 99 and he's, him and- He got experience, boy. Him and, him and Warren <laughs> Buffett have been hand in hand forever. So when I say he's a smart guy, he's a fucking smart guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to Charlie's point with the knowledge is power, there was a Harvard, multiple Harvard and Yale studies that came out because they were talking about continued education 
for employees of companies, right? Mm-hmm. And why companies would fail because they weren't doing continuing education, so on and so forth. And the study found that approximately out of the entire U.S. population, only 10% of individuals had what is called a growth or a learning mindset. Swear to God. I, I swear to God. I, are, I, I fucking, I was reading it today I and I was like, oh my God, I'm right. <laughs> no. And to exactly what he just said, guys, the only reason I'm chuckling so hard is because I know. If and JC was alive me. today, I was going to send him that fucking article. But no, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I'm sorry for being vulgar, but you guys have no idea the chub that Jameson got after he saw that. Oh, 10%. dude, it, it was, I was hard as a rock. <laughs> sorry. I saw it and I was like, this is it. Yep. And, it, and it's from reputable people. Yep. And it's from a dude that worked with two of the smartest That's investors awesome. that rely on yep. daily education, reading books and all this different shit. And I go, this is it. Mm-hmm. It was in my brain. I've never read this book before <laughs> in my entire it. life. But it. that was it. 10%. So to Charlie's point, when he says knowledge is power, you guys do not understand. If you educate yourselves, you put yourselves in the top 10% mm-hmm. of the U.S. population. As a human being, mm-hmm. like, I, mm. anyway, mm. sorry, I'll, be, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. But. <laughs> no, it's, hey, I know that, I know what that. It was also really that, sad. I like, it was that, like a triumph, but, but then I, I was like, oh my God. I was, was for you. What? I know what that validation was for. Oh, dude, was for. anybody that's worked that, with yeah. me over the last, like, <laughs> seven years is like, I felt oh. it for you. I, f- I felt the energy kind of come over here, and I was like, ooh, ooh, that was nice. Yeah. That was nice. It's like a good bourbon. But, oh, God. See, can always count on you, man. Dude, I got you. I got you. <laughs> can always count on you. With that being said, let's go ahead and move on to our Burma review for the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I Wonderful conversation. Great topics, man. Only accompanied by what I can say is a good bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, this, out of the three small batches that we had, mm-hmm. last week I was very hopeful for the Long Ranch that it yeah. would open. It would add to some, some complexity to it. But it didn't. Man. It didn't, and this one just... Oh, sorry. Shout out to last week. We kept saying that Matthew McConaughey was rolling up in a Buick. It's a fucking Lincoln. Lincoln? It's a Lincoln. Okay. It's a Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> so sorry, Buick. It's a Lincoln. Um, <laughs> well, I was editing last week, and I was like... <laughs> I know. I went home, I was like, I'm pretty sure it was not a Buick. <laughs> um, but to honestly, th- this one out of the last three small batches that we had, I feel like opened up the most. Um, it started out good, but as it sat mm-hmm. and we've had the conversation, the flavor notes that came out of this are Dude, phenomenal. Yeah. I, phenomenal. The complexity would, is... Yeah. And I haven't even told you the price point of this thing yet. The, well, and it's the backwards complexity. I know. That's said, what I'm saying. It's, yeah. It's a mind fuck. 100%. Especially because you would think just having the label of a sour mash, you would not expect the sweetness that comes no. from it. Mm-mm. At all. No. At You'd all. You'd expect more of a rye. Mm-hmm. Yep. I... Yeah. No, you you give me what you think. I'm gonna give this one a, a two point five. Yeah, we are so on the same page. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm yep. giving this one a two point five. And again, so many factors to base it on, but comparing it to small batches that we had, especially because this, the proof is a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. But it's still you still get the burn. The the burn is there. The yeah. flavor is there. As somebody who drinks bourbon, this this is a a beautiful bourbon. Yes, in the right of. I can I can show this off. Yes, I would feel confident bringing this to a group of friends who drink bourbon and go, "Hey guys, I Try bought it. a good one." Yep, you know, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think so. Fun fact about this one too: they had this sour mash up until nineteen eighty nine. Then they it disappeared. They got rid of it. Okay, it didn't get re- resurrected 
excuse me, until 2012. Interesting. So they took a, a, a long time uh, away from it. But it's easy to find. I've seen it. You know, we're in obviously Castle Rock, right? Yeah. So I've seen it bubbles every single time. And I'm yeah. like, man, we're, we're one of these days I want to try this one. Um, so it's easy to find. 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Which I think the the long the long branch was 49. For, yeah. Right? Yeah, 48, 48, 48 49. 48, mm-hmm. 49. So the $2 more, but I mean significantly better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm a Mictors fan in general. Yeah. Like I've always enjoyed Mictors. I think they make, re- they've got some really, really good. They've got a good. Well, I mean, even just sitting here. Like yeah. The, they've got a good single barrel. They've got a good the, rye. That, but it's yeah, <laughs> and I think the way I the way I rate these right now, as I'm starting to rate them, is you know I I went to uh, Caitlin's thirtieth birthday, we went to Eddie V's. Yep. Stupid fucking expensive, by the way. Okay. Really good. Good. But you need some coin to go there. Yeah. It's <laughs> wow. It's good. Uh, but they do a uh, tableside smoked old fashioned, right? Mm. And I I love old fashions, mm-hmm. and I think that the bourbon you use can is indicative of how good the old fashioned is going to yeah. be. This one I think would be interesting because an old fashioned is so front loaded on the sweetness. Mm-hmm. The fact that this finishes so much like a rye, yep. I think in an old fashioned, a Manhattan, Oh yeah. Uh, it, it, I, honestly, you could put this in um, what they call it. They called it the, a branch. No, was it a, uh, a branch water? Okay. Right, mm-hmm. so there's ranch water, which is tequila, soda, lime, whatever. Yeah. And Long Branch has a cocktail called the Branch Water, which is essentially the same thing, but it's bourbon, yep. soda, splash of lime. Got it. And I think that between the two, if I were to put the Long Branch in soda with lime and a highball glass and have just like a kind of fun summery drink, mm-hmm. you'd lose a lot of the flavor. There'd be no flavor. I'm sorry, I, but Long I, Branch had right. no flavor. I think you would still oh, yeah. be able to flavor. That, that's 100%. how that's how good it is 100%. because it can it can be it can supersede something mm-hmm. like soda water and lime or whatever, and you mm-hmm. can mix this in anything and still get a good bourbon flavor or yep. sit it neat. And I mean, my God! This so is, when I was at the cocktail mm. bar, I made a French toast Manhattan. Mm. Uh, yeah, and mm. basically used a little bit of maple syrup, um, and then uh, it was walnut bitters, mm-hmm. kind of open up that little more yep. earthy flavor. This. I would choose this for that cocktail every day Yep. because the sweetness is subtle enough that as a bourbon drinker, when you drink it, it's not like that Breckenridge rum cast that we had right. where it was like, this is syrupy. This yes. Is yeah. Very flavorful. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Flavor forward. T-H-I-C-C thick. Yeah. <laughs> Lizzo. Lizzo yep. thick. Gotcha. <laughs> but I would, I would attest this. This would make a phenomenal cocktail. 100%. Yep. I agree with you across the board. And no I think if you put you a rock use. in it. Oh yeah. It opened up even more. I think this a smoked whiskey sour with this would be incredible. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go two and a half. Also, yeah. I think this is probably this might be the best single barrel we've had. Yeah. I would. I would. Or agree. small batch. Sorry. I, best I small agree. batch we've had. One hundred percent. I would put this up against Smoke Wagon. Yes, I would mm-hmm. too. I would too. One hundred percent. It's got a different complexity. Smoke Wagon's very hot complexity. Yes. This is a more sweet complexity, mm-hmm. but I think they ha- they each have their own yeah. characteristics. One hundred percent. And when you talk about smoke wagon, especially uncut and filtered, mm-hmm. the difference is smoke wagon uncut is barrel proof. So it's like 58% alcohol yep. versus 43, but you're also spending 80 versus 50. Mm-hmm. Again. So, I mean, and you guys can find this anywhere. Yeah. And I, honestly, 
open this up around a campfire. Oh boy, bottle's gone. Yep, bottle's gone. A little Love bit more no, action. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. <laughs> I like very it. happy. Good choice, man. Yeah. Good choice. Yep. On that note, guys, thank you so much for tuning in with us for another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. Remember, you can catch us on YouTube, Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective. We post every week. Make sure you subscribe so you stay on top of the episodes. Yep. And you can contact us, R-E-S-O-T-R, at The Mile High Perspective, or... 303-568-0263 goes to both of our phone numbers. Oscar's phone number as well. Big boy. Yep. Uh, and then, Charlie, where can they find you on socials, bro? The Lifting Agent or That Lifting Agent on Instagram and TikTok. Was one of them taken? Is that why it's different? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck that guy. Focus on my TikTok. That's where I put a lot of my energy yep. into these days. Yeah. Uh, mine's pretty simple. The Colorado Real Estate Guy. That's my website. That's my Instagram. That's my TikTok. Mm-hmm. Facebook, Jameson Amaros. If you guys want to see pictures of my daughter, that's where, that's where those <laughs> They're go. Good. They're um, good. They are pretty good. Kieran, she's, a, she's, she's freaking she's adorable. Um, but yeah, that's how you can find and me. If you guys, hey, guys want to... Hey, Oscar, if they want to reach you, where can they find you? OscarTheRealtor.com. OscarTheRealtor.com. <laughs> Oscar um, yep. Or OscarTheRealtor on his socials. Yep. Guys, thank you so much for, for tuning in with us. Please... Let us know how you like this bourbon because we really liked it. Dude, yeah. Try it. Like, mm-hmm. subscribe. Send us news articles. If you guys want to hear something, want us to break something down, by all means. That This is what we do for a living. So. And stay tuned on the YouTube channel. We, we got some fun stuff coming. Yes, sir. Cheers, Jameson. Cheers. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.